Hello, I'm your host, Veronica Winters. This podcast is available on my YouTube channel at Veronica's Art. You can get it in the audio format on any podcast platform. If you enjoy this show, please rate it. It helps a lot for others to discover this show. And don't forget to visit my website, veronicasart.com to see new work get inspired or maybe you'd like to learn how to draw and paint you're welcome to take one of my online video classes so please visit veronicasart.com thanks so much for listening and watching please enjoy the show (laughs) i'm so happy to have you on my show i'm so excited because you are a fantastic artist and um, I'd like for people to know you better to see your art and so hopefully you can share your behind the scenes (laughs) perfect thank you so much for having me this is wonderful I really appreciate it you're welcome let's start with the introduction Um, I live in Telluride Colorado the last 30 years and um, I'm a contemporary realist artist uh, I guess a lot of people could say it falls into photorealism or hyperrealism um, I tend to not really go with those labels just because I think I I deviate a little bit from both of those um, I tend to either sort of add or subtract things from the photographs or I also it's important to me to try to maintain the hand of the artist um, in the text and show a little bit of texture in the paint, which gets very difficult with this high realism because you get mm-hmm. tinier, tinier little brushes, you know. <laughs> but um, I try to incorporate that because I've always loved the paint. How would you des- describe your art style? Is it um, realism, hyperrealism, imaginative realism? Generally, I say highly realistic. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, I do work from the photo um, mm-hmm. and different photo references sometimes at the same time. Um, so you could you could say photorealism. I just the like I said the I think sometimes I stray from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very okay. <little. laughs> okay. Most of your art is figurative. So what do you find the most interesting about painting the figure? Is there anything in particular you'd like to say with that? I approach each painting I do in the same way, but there is something for sure about doing the figure, doing portrait of face, or um, that there's more of a connection with. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started with animals, with horses, and and even that had that same kind of connection. There's something about that blatant eye-to-eye contact. And um, and and just you know the human form that that I can connect to on an emotional level, and I believe the viewer can too. So mm-hmm. that interests me. Painting people is very difficult, and if you decide to go for realism, you you must be really good at it. And like I used to avoid painting people because I, I sucked at it. <laughs> it took me a very long time to learn uh, the basics. Where I did you suck at it now, Veronica? My God, <laughs> thanks. Uh, where did you learn your technique of oil painting? Um, you know, I just always grew up painting and drawing. Um, my mother was an artist, and. So I learned along the way, and in high school, I had a fantastic art teacher, and it was almost like you would step into his classroom, and it was like another country. (laughs) It was so different from a high school class, and he had so much passion and and demanded it from us, and I think that's really where I learned all the basics, um, but also where I really learned to take it seriously, um, Mm. and my love for it was as a teenager. so I, I always, it was part of my identity growing up that huh, interesting. I myself as a painter or as an artist mm-hmm. um, and just continued on from there. I majored it in, coll- in, in college, um, 
BFA in studio art. Um, and then, you know, continued to do the occasional workshop and so on. So, you know, I just learned by trial and error and education and, you know, even now watching Instagram, I still... Did you learn anything from your mom? What kind of painter was she? She was at the time a little more abstract, um, representational, but I remember... I remember her when I was very young working in our little boiler room downstairs in the basement. It was like the only space she had. Um, and I would watch her and I would copy and whatever. But she she did sort of, I mean, she loved like Mark Rothko. So, But, but at the same time, she would apply it to more representational work. Um, and then she did more classical kind of stuff. But, you know, she was more of a mom. She didn't she didn't take it to a professional level. She did show and things mm -hmm. later in life, but, and she still, she still does it a little oh, bit here and there. Okay. Like why didn't she uh, pursue it professionally? I think she was just pursuing being the mom, <laughs> you know, I think she always kept it. It was always an interest and she was a docent and she, she was an art teacher. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so she always kept her hand in it, but, I think, you know, she just brought up my brother and myself and <laughs> that was her main focus. Because so. it was common for that period and time for women to stay home. Yeah. And I think for her, she just wasn't that interested in taking it to a career level or just personal for her. You also have um, a large section with your still lives, which look yummy. Yeah. <laughs> like like exactly. candy, yeah, um, donuts. Uh, is there a specific reason why you painted food? Do um, you still paint food, or it's? Uh, I haven't in a while. It's been mostly figurative, and I did some landscape slash floral things mm -hmm. for the last show I was in. Um, but that that was something that just always appealed to me, even ever since I saw Wayne Tebow in high school mm -hmm. and just fell in love with his work um, and just thought it was just delicious and the paint texture <laughs> and everything was amazing and I just loved it. But also I, I grew up, my parents were both very much foodies. <laughs> so that was kind of our religion. And I always just thought about, you know, the reflective qualities and uh, just the how sensual food can be and how just mm -hmm. it's got, it's got all of the, things for art, right? All the beautiful color and the contrast mm -hmm. and all of that. So I thought, well, why not give it a try? And uh, I, I started a series with donuts and um, showed them to Leah Skidmore, uh, Skidmore Contemporary in LA. And she said, after trying to get in there for a few years, <laughs> and she saw those and she said, that's it. So I had my first solo show with her and it was all, it was called Temptation temptation series so that was a lot of fun <laughs> did she ask you to continue painting the same theme or yeah um it it sort of went in with a big splash and she had like some record-breaking sales with the with my work which was just blew me away because it was my first real then it kind of like tapered off <laughs> and then she's like, let's come up with something else. So I'm still, I, ju I just sent her another donut. <laughs> so she still has, you know, a few in there. But um, yeah, I just started branching off into the figurative. I really felt like I wanted to explore that. For her gallery, figurative wasn't as, um, that wasn't as marketable for her. Yeah, makes sense. It's often said that it's harder to market figurative art. Yeah. But I kind of have to oppose to that because whenever I go to a museum or a gallery, I'm attracted to the figurative. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As am I. And, and I feel this pull to paint that as well. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I, I understand for some people, you know, if it's not when it's that highly realistic, it's not someone they know or a member, maybe it's hard for them to have it hanging in their house. I don't. But some people can see past that and, and can connect to it on a different level. I also think sometimes 
um, someone's portrait reminds the person of someone else. Right. That yeah. could be uh, another yeah. thing. And that's what I hope. You know, I, I use my children primarily um, as as my models. And I just feel like, you know, I was so interested in that sort of time in their lives, right? That sort of cusp of adulthood and sort of fighting for autonomy and and wanting so much and that yearning and, and insecurity and vulnerability and all of that. I just thought that was such an interesting thing to try to capture. Um, and certainly everyone can relate to that, right? We've all been there or we have children ourselves. And, you know, so I, I hope I hope that there's a connection there when people see that. What do they think of your art? My kids? Yeah. Oh, that's that's my proudest moment when they really are impressed by by what I do because it's it's sort of a it's emotional for me and it's a thrill that they can see their mom is doing something separate from them that's her identity that's not just mom right mm-hmm. <laughs> so they love it and they and they've been great with being my models and you know whether they like it or not they have to be. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah is it hard for them to pose or, or no? Um, well, first of all, my daughter was a theater major. Ah, so, I and see. She, we're so tight and she gets me. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I think they both get what I'm after. Even my son who, you know, modeling would not be his <laughs> cup of tea. He knows what I'm after. And uh, and if you can, I can move some of these. I don't know if you can see some of them. Ah, mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to. There's there he is again, but um, yeah, it's hard to see on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they both know the mood that I'm trying to strike, so they're they're pretty good at posing um, and do do whatever I ask. Especially my daughter, she'll jump in a freezing mountain lake and <laughs> yeah, wear ridiculous costumes and whatever I need from her. So it's been great. Do they live with you or? Well, my son lives in uh, Montana. He's in college out there. And my uh-huh. daughter came back after she graduated college and she lives, she lives in the barn here with me. <laughs> ah, that's convenient. Yeah. Wow. You paint quite large. What's the reason behind the canvas size? I, you know, I've just always been attracted to that. I just think it's a, it's just a very dynamic effect when people see that, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a kind of a quick cheat, right, Veronica? <laughs> it makes more of an impact, I think, when it's big. Um, mm-hmm. And it used to be when I painted a lot more gestural, in a more gestural way, it was a very physical thing. Now that it's um, realistic, it's still, you know, bigger mm-hmm. paintings, tiny brushes, <laughs> all of that. But I still like the effect of seeing it large. How do you start uh, painting? Do you transfer your image using the squares or? Um... Um, I started with the gridding and it made me crazy because yeah. I've always hated math and I would just get mm-hmm. nuts that I wasn't getting the dimensions of the squares and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave up gridding and I came up with this idea. I mean, I don't know, obviously a lot of people must do this, but I just, I would take the image um, and blow it up to the size of the canvas. Mm -hmm. And then I used carbon paper Mm -hmm. to transfer the drawing aspect on directly onto the canvas. Yeah, that's what I do. And this process evolved. And I think all hyper-realist artists do exactly the same thing, even if they don't say Right. <laughs> right. I yeah, I thought I I felt like cheating in the beginning, but I know I know how to draw. I mean, I'm probably pretty rusty at it now. I don't get a lot of chance to just draw, but um I tried to rationalize it that I <laughs> I know how to do it. I just this saves a lot of time. Such a perfectionist. I want I want it to be right. You don't want to like you know, sometimes you need fresh eyes and you don't see the issues. So mm-hmm. to get it on there just to get the the linear part of it on there and then long enough, you know. <laughs> so I think it helps. Do you use carbon paper? I thought that was something that I just kind of... Uh, I use, um, I think it's, I think it's called transfer paper. Right, transfer paper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Because I'd heard of people doing the thing where you rub something on. Oh, I I tried that, and it's just too difficult. It's yeah, the same as that. yeah, it's the same as doing grading. You know, it just takes so much time. I I figured that when I want to paint, I want to paint. I don't want to spend a thousand hours, you know, just drawing it out on canvas because it messes it up, all those, you know, imperfections that you're trying to fix. And when you start painting, you you still need to know how to paint. It, it's not going to help you if you don't right. don't know how to draw, so okay so you transfer your image and then yeah. what do you do um and then i do a, a sepia grisaille over over that just to you know get the get everything in place and so my eye can understand it before i start doing full pigment paint um, mm -hmm. and i use a medium what do i use walnut alkyd as my medium and and paint and uh, just do an ala prima, um, and I work it section by section and try to do wet, wet into wet for the most part is the way I like to paint. Um, but then I sometimes will do glazes and several layers and as I go, so it's kind of a mix. But you basically paint in one color first, right? The grisaille, yeah. Yeah. Just, just, to, get, just to get all the values in. The the grisaille usually means painting in black and white, and I'm just oh, okay. trying I'm just trying to understand if you use browns like burnt or sienna brown. Yeah, I do a, a I guess a sepia grisaille. Is that okay? It's in okay. premature. I don't know the, the mm -hmm. <laughs> terminologies, but um, yeah. So I use a, generally a burnt sienna. Okay. Um, burnt burnt umber. And, and Gamsel. So it's just a really thin first and layer. No, and no white? You, you lift out the white? I'll leave, I, you know, I'll leave areas that are the brightest whites on, okay. as the canvas. Mm -hmm. So I don't ground the canvas or anything. I don't have mm -hmm. a ground color. I see. And then when it dries, you start painting in color, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it dries very quickly so what do you find exciting about painting uh, the whole thing <laughs> i love the you know the i'd say the beginning's very exciting because you're just excited to get going on it and once you have the grisaille down you can see it's going to be the way you want it and uh i think the middle is the worst <laughs> right because mm -hmm. it can look pretty crummy in between mm -hmm. layers and you're not there yet i try to hide my painting sometimes when people just pop in at the wrong time <laughs> but uh and then yeah just i i love the paint texture i love just getting into it and standing back and that satisfaction of you know when it's working <laughs> it's great tell me your secrets how do you make it look so realistic oh god it's just uh you know <laughs> no i don't <laughs> just tedious it's tedious i you know i look at the i have the photo i i used to just work from my computer screen i've got a large mm -hmm. uh, pc and um and i could zoom you know really intensely zoom in and then of course it gets digitized but that kind of helps with the color because sometimes your brain sees color different than it actually is i guess um, mm -hmm. And I, I understand that the photograph also has some alters color a little bit too, but um, just zooming in and really just hammering after the detail, I think. Um, and I used to not be interested in the detail. I used to have more of that artist feeling like you don't have to show every hair and every pore and whatnot, but sometimes I, I just, I really am... I enjoy showing all of it now. <laughs> I don't okay. know why. It seems like a lot of artists go the other direction mm -hmm. and start tight and get loose. But uh, for some reason, I've just gotten tighter and tighter on it. Not that I need to show every pore, but I, but I just want to, I, I just really want to get all of the information in, mm -hmm. of the figure, at least, you know. How do you compose your images? Um, do you compose with your camera first or you um don't care how you photograph your models you 
Well, I wish I was a photographer. I got to work on that. (laughs) (laughs) I've done some great paintings just from little snapshots that I've taken, but, but generally, uh, you know, talking about all that detail, I want a really good quality photograph. So I, I generally hire a photographer. I have my idea. I set up the shoot, um, with locations and costumes and the whole, you know, whatever props, whatever I had in mind and just let it roll. Um, and, watch as the photographer takes the shots and I generally give her um, a mood board so to speak so she knows she's kind of in the same Mm -hmm. understanding of what I'm going for because it's kind of intangible you know there are certain certain poses or certain light effect or whatever that I discuss with her as well but sometimes it's just like let's just go for it and see what happens so I start with that and then um, generally I crop, uh, I'll find the photo or two out of the bunch um, that I like and I, I crop them. Um, I like to get in close mm-hmm. for the most part um, and go from there. Yeah. Well, you have your, uh, your painting behind you yeah. uh, with the... <laughs> Svetlana. Um, we'll talk about that one a little bit later, but like the one that features your son, I'm assuming, uh, in in the The sunglasses, in the sunglasses, how did that image come about? Um, well, my son is, uh, was a uh, competitive mogul skier, obsessed with skiing, jumping off cliffs and all the things that moms really want to hear about. (laughs) But, uh, that was kind of his life. And my, both my kids growing up in Telluride uh, are so connected and shaped and informed by their environment out here. You know, it's a small town and it's just surrounded by 11 to 14,000 foot peaks. And I think their, their souls are very entrenched in the environment mm-hmm. and whatnot. That piece I called Freedom. And, you know, I think... I don't want to say too much so my son doesn't get mad at me, but, (laughs) you know, that teenage age, there was a lot of struggle between him and his father and searching for autonomy and um, all of that, all of that typical teenage kind of Mm -hmm. experience. And I had started a series actually with my daughter. I did quite a few with a veil over her Mm -hmm. face Um, And it was sort of working with the veil and the sunglasses and lights and things sort of going in front of them. So they're sort of hiding. They haven't quite emerged yet. Um, You know, it's all about that, that, that growth process, I guess, and, and masks and coming into yourself. So that was, he had those cool sunglasses and, and I also just love the reflection. That was him. I mean, that's him. He went out with a friend of his, I gave his friend uh, instruction and Max, my son knew what I was after and they were out doing tricks and training and whatnot, um, skiing and got that wild and woolly hair thing going. <laughs> and it just struck me as, you know, freedom. This is what he's after. This is his place. This is where he feels most at home is out in the mountains. Um, the actual photograph had different mountains in the background. And uh, yeah. I used that photograph from a local photographer, a photographer who does beautiful mountain scenes. And the lighting worked. So I just interposed those together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that piece actually is going to the moon. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the, I don't know if you've heard about the Artists on the Moon project. Uh, tell me about it. Um, a, a physicist and sci-fi writer named Sam Peralta started okay. this uh, this whole concept. They put this thing it's together. It's called Lunar Codex. Um, and he's put together uh, people's writings, poetry, and artwork uh, that I was part of a platform called Poets Artists. And mm-hmm. he... One of my pieces, the first piece to go, it was a different one of my daughter um, that he curated the show. And he just started taking uh, paintings that he chose from publications from certain shows under this platform. And now there's about 30,000, I think, pieces of art from different 
artists that are all wow. digitally going to the moon. So and for forever, <laughs> sort of like a, uh, what are those time machine boxes or whatever. <laughs> so it's exciting. I get to tell my kids that they're both going, going straight to the moon. <laughs> Either aliens or future people will discover your art exactly. on the moon. <laughs> exactly. So it's fun. And I guess the only, it, it's the first time there's been any representation of women artists on the moon. In the 60s, I think um, there were some pop artists, just a few, that they had left some remnant um, of, of artwork up there. But now it's this big project that he's, that he's done. So it's exciting to be part of. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, awesome opportunity. Yeah. I, I really like this painting uh, because of the light. It feels so fresh and crisp, like I am in the mountains. Right, great. So it's amazing that you brought that feel into the painting. Well, thank you. That's what I was going for. And yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's definitely the feeling out here, <laughs> especially right now. It's freezing. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. And the, the sunlight. I mean, it's just exactly a, that kind of sunlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's so well painted and oh, it has unusual composition. So all of that, it's like, wow. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, my son helped me out with that because he, he's like, okay, we've got to wear this jacket because you're so good at getting reflection. And, you know, it's the little uh, down jackets with all the little quilting. So that was really fun to paint. And the glasses, of course, and his hair with the light. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, they're little challenges, but it, it's a lot of fun. Do you plan on doing more of these kind of paintings or it's your... You're done with that kind of painting. and Oh, yeah. I would love to continue that for sure. Um, okay. I, I have a show in, I had a show in Santa Fe. It's still there um, where I, I continued with that, the, like the background of that with the mountains. Um, and I took out the figurative just for a little bit and instead um, put uh, florals in the front, in the foreground. That so was my next question about yeah, your so floralscapes. I, yeah, I did a series of floralscapes because we had just moved out here. We've been here for 30 years, but we moved out to this property with a lot of open acreage and incredible views. And I just, I was kept trying to think, how can I express this? Because I've never really wanted to do landscapes. I, I did them when mm -hmm. I was younger, but I was kind of bored with them. And I, I know people can mm -hmm. do them beautifully, but it was never my thing. And I always thought how can you possibly copy nature mm -hmm. to that degree It's and do it justice? I wanted to put the two together to sh kind of show the, you know, the timelessness of these mountains and then the fragility of life with cut flowers that are going to be gone in a week, you know, and just mm -hmm. kind of put them together. Um, so I did that series, which was, which was nice. But again, yeah. I crave, I crave the figurative, I think. <laughs> I think your floralscapes are very unique to you. And I, and again, I can almost smell that cool, crisp air yeah. <laughs> just by looking at oh, them. Thank you. Well, that's great. Well, you kind of told me how you came up with the idea, but if you can expand on that, um, how did you decide to put flowers in front of the mountains? Um you know, I was thinking about all these different ideas. I was like, my God. Why not donuts? <laughs> that would have been cool. Maybe that's next on the line, Veronica. You just gave me an idea. Um, you know, I think flowers flowers are used for to, to celebrate life, right? They're, they're used um, for so many things in mem memorial, um, uh, just... Yeah, in celebration. And I just thought it was a way to sort of honor this incredible beauty by putting them together. And then florals are so incredibly beautiful. And I thought, you know, I just thought something about the the contrast, even though they're very complimentary, I thought there was kind of a, 
a contrast between domestic cut florals and the beauty of the natural landscape. And, and, you know, and the way they play against each other with the color and the movement and stability. I just thought, I just, I'm always into contrast <laughs> in the juxtaposition of them. The narrative kind of came to be more when I was painting, because you spend so much time just looking at things. And it, it again, it was sort of just about the, the frailty, the strength of the mountains and the fragility of the flowers and how that is a metaphor for life and how, you know, it's timeless, yet it's not. It's fleeting. We're only here for a moment, you know, and and just to be grateful and appreciative of our surroundings, our environment, um, our relationships, everything, because it's it's here and it's beautiful and then it's gone, right? So, mm -hmm. I think these are the most unique paintings that you've created. I like, I understand the boredom with the landscapes. I'm kind of the same way. And I mm -hmm. used to do some landscapes, but it's been so many artists doing just that. So you have to come up with a different point of view or theme. And yeah. I, I think floral scapes are so darn unique. <laughs> oh, well, great. Thank you. <laughs> Would you like to talk about the painting that that you are sitting next to? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, this is an exciting thing that I've, I've uh, just begun. Uh, she's a work in progress. And I got the opportunity to work with an incredible international photographer and activist, Mark Neville. Um, and he is in Ukraine right now photographing Ukrainians and his... I'm able to collaborate with him by using, uh, he's given, granted me permission to use his photographs, mm -hmm. uh, which is really exciting for me because they speak to me and they're incredible. Mm -hmm. So um, this, this piece, this is uh, Svetlana and it's a cropped version of a, a photograph that he took called Reza. There's another woman, um, Reza and Svetlana, on the beach in Odessa, uh, Arcadia Beach in Odessa. And it was mm -hmm. taken in 2017. This piece actually had a, a personal note for me. My grandmother immigrated, she, my Jewish grandmother immigrated from Odessa when she was very young. Um, and she used to speak of the beaches out there and everything. So mm -hmm. an ironic thing that this is the first piece that, I, that I'm starting on. Um, but uh, he, this came from a book that he did called Stop Tanks with Books. Uh, and it was to support Ukraine um, and a kind of a call to action uh, before the war started, thought coming, as, as did many people. Um, and so I'm just working, working on her. She's fabulous. <laughs> and hope to continue doing a series and everything's going to go towards his charity, which is called um, Postcode Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And that started, it's sort of a, a hybrid humanitarian aid and photography project. So um, all the 100% of the donations go to people in Ukraine that need the help because um, there's no overhead. Uh, it was it was started from a collector of his. But, you know, it's just to combat combat compassion fatigue from the situation out there. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's just important that for him that we, you know, know that there's Ukrainians still risking their lives out there to for democracy mm -hmm. and that we should support support them. Do you plan to create the entire series and then donate it? Donate the um, series? Yeah, you know, it's, at this point, I'm just going painting by painting, and I guess mm -hmm. hopefully the idea is that it could culminate in a show of sort of a mixed media show with his work and and my work from his references. And oh, okay. But yeah. <laughs> so it's cool. exciting. It's really, I, I feel so fortunate to be able to imagery and to have this opportunity to help as well. How did you meet him? 
Um, and I haven't met him. He is in Ukraine. I've, I've had some emails back and forth. Uh, mm. a, a talented editor, friend of mine, sort of put us in touch. Um, he had been, he had seen my show in, in show in Santa Fe of the Floralscapes and wanted mm-hmm. to, uh, had this idea. So that's all. Wow. Cool. <laughs> put us together. So, but Mark is a, a terrific guy. He's doing amazing work and. Mm-hmm. Just fortunate to be part of it, I think. Do you go to Santa Fe often? Uh, no, I, you know, I hadn't been there in years, and I had been with this gallery for a couple of years, and so I just that was my first time when I came out with the show. Yeah, it's a very nice place, a, a very a tiny town. Uh, yeah. I think it's the the only street which is, you know, the Canyon Road that. Yeah, oh, well, so that, many galleries. Oh, so many. Yeah, and this one, this isn't even on Canyon Road. This is uh, now I'm forgetting the name of the road, but sort of the core center of the mm. city there. But I yeah, see. it's a very artsy town. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing how it developed like that. Yeah, yeah. Can you share who or what inspires you to create? Every, every, everything, everybody. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I never stop thinking about it. I don't know about you, but I, you know, it stays with me. Whatever I'm looking at, I kind of, oh, I see the color or the contrast, or oh, that would be a cool painting, or <laughs> you know that. Um, and of course, my children. And uh, I'm always, I'm always thinking about it. So I'm inspired by everything. I'm inspired by photography, um, by fashion, by other artists for sure. You know. Uh, constantly scrolling through Instagram. And when I get a chance to go to a gallery or a museum, um, just eat it up. So always thinking. <laughs> What's your favorite museum? Do you have one? Oh, gosh. I always love the Met. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't been to New York in quite a while. But yeah, I live I live in a pretty isolated area for that. Although it's a big arts community, there aren't, you know, I don't have access to a whole lot of that. But uh, whenever I get a chance when I'm in a big city to go somewhere. How do you market your work? How do you put it out there? Um, well, aside from galleries, um, I try to, you know, do the Instagram thing. And I've got a website and Facebook and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I don't have that many followers. I don't, I'm not that entrenched in it. I do love making reels and making posts and being able to write something about what I'm doing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is incredibly time consuming and Mm -hmm. I'm not very tech savvy, so it can be really (laughs) frustrating. So I haven't gone really deep, but I I do, I do love to do it. I love the creative aspect of posting and real and that kind of thing. And I love the feedback because, you know, being an artist can be very isolating. So it's nice to, Mm -hmm. nice to hear nice things (laughs) and get people's responses. My son calls me a boomer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm also not that great. But I, I like Instagram because it looks like a portfolio. Even if, yeah. even if you don't have a website, you have a very clear representation of your art if you are good at managing. Instagram. Right, absolutely. I love it too. And it's it's even on a personal level. It's sort of a historical part of your life right it's always there mm-hmm. yes love that about it yeah like a photo al- album exactly exactly yeah. i also like to discover new art there it, in fact it's so it's so varied so interesting that i ditched all my art magazines i'm not subscribed to anything anymore right yeah yeah C- because I just go to, you know, <laughs> Instagram oh, to get inspired. Yeah. Yeah. Pinterest is the same way. It's like you open it and I'm, oh, my God. <laughs> right, right. I know. It can, it can get a little overwhelming. It's sort of a big black hole. But it, it, at the same time, I love it. And it is. It's so inspiring to see other people's work and what they're doing. And, and there's a bit of a community there, too, as well, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, which is nice. Do you find artists being supportive or oh no? Um, what I've found is definitely, uh, yeah. And 
it's kind of a less socially taxing way <laughs> to have that kind of support. You know, it's a, to, you know, just having that social media um, connection to people mm-hmm. it feels good. And I've found, I found all the artists to be supportive and I almost like a little friendship, even though it's on social media, it's not real, but you do, you do feel you get good feedback and you get mm-hmm. it's nice to have this group of artists that support each other and, you know, we're, it's not like a competitive kind of thing. It doesn't feel that way. So that's nice. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Have you had that uh, an experience the um, other ex- way? Or? Yeah. My, my experience is mixed. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people are supportive on the surface. But uh, if well. you dig deeper, they're not. Well, maybe I'm not digging intentionally. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It's sort of, it's surface and it's, it's nice. I haven't, you know, living out here, I, all I do is paint basically. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not interacting with artists really um, mm-hmm. more than social media for the most part once in a while. But, but I think if you find that special person, that person is really special. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Because a lot of times it just it's <laughs> it can be disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. No, to I be can, honest. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So so far so good. It's been a good experience with just just over social media and having. Mm-hmm. There's been some really nice women and 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 men and very very supportive group of people from that I've met through poets artists. Mm-hmm. You have a section of your website that's called wearable art. Can you share what it is? How do you make it? How do you make it wearable? <laughs> well, I, you know, yeah, I pick the dress and go from there. And so it's, uh, it started when I was on the board of the, um, it's called the AHA school down here. It's our arts community arts school. And uh, I, I started with an idea of painting masterwork on, on a dress. And then I would walk down the catwalk with it and they could sell the dress as a, for a fundraiser. So I, is it actual painting or printing yeah. of? Oh, it's so, actual painting on the fabric. Oh, wow. So yeah. you, I'm guessing you, you're using acrylics to do that. Yes. Yes. I haven't done it with oil paint yet. I was just a little nervous that it kind of bleeds a little. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can. (laughs) I know it's really tricky, but then, you know, I did it. uh, I don't know. I must've done like five or six dresses and probably more than that actually for different, uh, different fundraisers and did one for my mother-in-law. And, uh, but so I always used acrylic. And then the last one I did, I did for myself for my last show in Santa Fe. Um, and I found it so hard working in the acrylic because it had been a long time. Mm-hmm. And I've been working in oil and it just dries so fast. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it just feels, it just feels uh, not as luscious, you know, you have mm-hmm. to move quickly and get through it. But um, yeah, it's, it's harder than working on canvas for sure, because mm-hmm. you, know, you can't, it's not fastened down to stretcher bars or anything like that. You just kind of, I make like a template out of cardboard and put, put the dress on it. And then as I paint, it kind of sticks to the cardboard Uh um, just enough so that when you lift it, it it will come free. (laughs) But uh, that kind of cements it down. So it's easier to, it's not constantly moving. Do you buy a dress like a, a ready-made dress and yeah, then yeah. yeah generally, oh, okay um, uh, the first few I had dresses already that I that I added to and I used a lot of different media I used acrylic but I also sewed on um, or stuck on Sforsky crystals mm-hmm. and of all these different varying shapes one that I loved I did a Gustav Klimt mm-hmm. and the Sforsky crystals actually I found them to come in the same shapes as on the, on the Klimt. So that was fantastic. I love that one. Um, but, 
Yeah, so I, I, I'm copying master uh, paintings of different artists on and mm -hmm. put them on. Do you plan to do more or just a one-time project? Um, you know, I'm always game to do it. I think it's, it's so fun. And um, I thought it would be a really exciting thing to do for people for wedding dresses. I haven't done mm -hmm. that yet. Um, it's a little, that would be a little scary because you know how expensive dresses are and how important they mm -hmm. are to people, but I haven't messed up yet. So, you know, <laughs> that might be a really exciting thing to, to, to do. And I love doing the idea of doing them for myself for openings. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. Usually artists, uh, print their art on, on fabric, but yeah. I've seen you, that. I don't. I don't know how to do that. That would be better in terms of getting it dry cleaned for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've, I have seen that done. Also, it's beautiful. They look amazing. So realistic. Um, yeah. So, uh, can people buy them from you? Or uh, yeah, sure. I you know I and people did the first few went for fundraisers. I'm open to doing them. <laughs> Haven't totally figured out, you know, I did have mine dry cleaned and it was okay. It's just, it's a little, uh, haven't figured out how to do that so that they're really in good shape, you know, after mm -hmm. wearing. They're almost like a one-shot deal. That's why I think wedding dresses would be the best approach. Mm, yeah. Maybe, maybe somebody wants me to do one for the Academy Awards or something. Maybe Rihanna or... <laughs> there you go. That'd be good. <laughs> so what's your next project? Do you know? Um, well, I'm still just, you know, working with Mark Neville, I think is going to be uh, for a while working on mm -hmm. different. I'm, I'm really excited about some of his photographs of children um, that I'd like to work on for that. And, uh, what's your biggest uh, success? Uh, successes. Uh, well, you know, I try not to focus too much on that because I, I have a joke with my family. I said, okay, famous by 50, <laughs> successful by 60, and satisfied by 70s. <laughs> That's trying to live by that. I haven't, I haven't hit famous, but I did hit some goals by 50, so I was happy about that. And uh, getting my first solo show, like I was talking about at Skidmore uh, Contemporary, which was a, mm -hmm. a gallery that I very established that I loved. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, having a having pieces in museum shows was very exciting for me. Everything, you know, accepted into being accepted into shows or getting into magazine articles, all of these things are just stepping stones. I, mm -hmm. the way I see them and, and haven't had my biggest success yet. How about that? <laughs> Keep working at it. But how do you get into museum shows? Um, I just applied do submissions to juried shows and things like that. And um, um, I've been in a, a few shows at the Waimoka in um, Wausau, uh, Wisconsin. So that's mm -hmm. mainly. Okay. Mainly. But yeah, I just keep submitting to shows and I try not to get caught up in, you know, the failure, the rejections. I think that's what always appealed to me growing up with art is that just the subjectiveness of it all. Mm -hmm. There's no right or wrong. You know, it's just, if you didn't get into something, it's, they were looking for something different. And I try to move on from the disappointment of that and just keep, keep at it. I think it's always, uh, always disappointing because you, you want to get it. Like yeah. if you don't want to get it, you don't apply in the first place. Right. Right. Well, you know, you try to, you try to gauge what what works for your style of painting or, or what your contemporaries that do get into this show, that if you look up to them and you feel like you're edging towards that level, at least, you know, that I try to pick shows that work for me in the first place. Then your your odds are a little better than getting a lot of rejections. And then just work up as you go. Keep, keep trying, keep trying at it. And then if you don't get in, you can always say, oh, they don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they got it all wrong. <laughs> They're lost. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
What do you want to say with your art? I've always sort of gone after it more from a visual standpoint and an emotional point of view. So I, I don't really have like a hard and fast statement with my art. Uh, for me, I think it's, it's to evoke an emotional response in myself and the viewer, and it can be different to everyone, um, but just to, ha to have some kind of emotional feeling to it, to have some kind of connection for someone. Then I, I feel like if, even if it's just a momentary connection for someone and, and they feel something, it's intangible, but if it takes them out of their head and their day for just a split moment, I think I'm on the right path. I feel like I've, I've grabbed somebody in, in some way. And I know that's kind of, <laughs> it doesn't really define it, but. Yeah, your response is your response. Right, right. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to ever demand a political statement or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just, it's just emotion. Do you want to give advice to younger artists, like where to start or how to become an artist? Oh, gosh. You know, I didn't, I felt like I got out of school and didn't have a clue. And I just, yeah. and it's funny because I would just like start stamping down the sidewalk with my portfolio. I was so naive and, and I'm really not that secure or confident of a person, but for some, some reason I just went for it and just started banging down doors and, and, you know, kept at it. And I, I didn't, I felt like I never really had the tools or the instruction of how to like approach galleries or any of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But, um, and certainly look, it took, it's a long road. I'm in my fifties and I'm just now really getting into it. Um, I always had my hand in it some little way, but um, I think you just have to really, if that's what you want, you have to take it seriously. You have to treat it like a job, paint as much as you possibly can, stay after it, open yourself up to things. If people ask you to use your work or to donate your work, you know, to the amount that you can say yes, you know, put yourself out there and just you know, treat it, treat it like a job and, and not a hobby, you know, take mm -hmm. it seriously and do it, do it. And, mm -hmm. and little by little you can make contacts or make inroads now with online makes it so much easier to find things and to submit to things and all of that. So, you know, just, just go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm gathering what you said. You, you basically started approaching galleries just by knocking on the doors. Yeah, which is totally the wrong thing to do, right? <laughs> but I, I was young and dumb. <laughs> so, uh, no, I, no, I no, wait, wait. wait. Like, oh, I would oh. go into retail stores and I mean, it crazy, and ask them if they needed anyone to do ads or... I didn't really know what I was doing, to tell you the truth, when in my 20s. But I just... any Anything I could try to do with art. And, and beyond, you know, commercial stuff, beyond trying to just get into galleries and whatnot. Um, did anything come out of it? Like, did you get any jobs? Like, did I you? Got, yeah, I got some weird little jobs that barely <laughs> paid. And, but it, it, you know, at that age, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing it, you know? Um, <laughs> and then I worked for, I worked for an architect drawing blades of grass, <laughs> you know, and that, that in his style, because he would sign off on it and, you know, nobody knew the person doing the trees, leaves and the grass, you know, but that's what he needed somebody to do. And uh, I did all sorts of weird little, weird little things and worked in a gallery and, um, you know, t-shirts and, you know, whatever I could get my hands on and always trying to, and then building up uh, a series of my own on my own time. Um, and then I think I had my first show was at Rose Cafe in, uh, in Venice beach in California. Um, and, you know, it just felt good to like do a, do a show and get reactions. Um, and then you, you know, just builds, things build mm -hmm. and people see things and goes from there little by little. 
<laughs> still building. I'm still trying. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to know because uh, I think there is no single path. So it's interesting to learn about every artist's road, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. But I, you know, I had crazy experiences down the line too with galleries, a gallery that shut down and never mm -hmm. called me and had my art, you know, <laughs> so to go pick it up from a, a gallery that, you know, I lost touch with the owner and there's been all sorts of crazy stories along the lines. But then, mm -hmm. you know, as time went on, get into established and good galleries and you, then you can... From there, you, it's easier to move on and find other galleries or they find mm -hmm. you. So I haven't been able to, the whole, like you said, the social media thing, I know a lot of artists manage to bypass the whole gallery system and sell for themselves. I, you know, I don't know if you, you do that as well, mm -hmm. um, which is great, but I, I haven't quite figured that one out myself. Well, can you give advice to artists how to approach the gallery the right way? I've had, you know, I've, I've had a mix. I've had galleries that come to me and I've had galleries that I've approached. Um, <laughs> the, the gallery in L.A., that was that was crazy because I went I went with my father in law and he's a very boisterous extroverted guy and uh, he comes from an art family as well in South Africa and I walked down to the gallery we were we were walking through Bergamont station where there's it's sort of an urban little area you go from gallery to gallery to gallery and I walked down of uh, Skidmore and I said to him I would give my right arm to get into that gallery I've been looking at it for years you know online and everything and he said, come along, Nicolie, and we're going in. We're going to talk to the gallery owner. I was like, no, you can't do that. That's a big no-no. And he went in all boisterous and started talking up Leah. And, you know, she was very kind and tolerant. <laughs> and, uh, she looked at some of my stuff on the website and, uh, you know, was very sweet and kind of, you know, told me which, which paintings she kind of liked and, and I walked out of there, you know, sort of humiliated. And, <laughs> and uh, but I stayed in touch with her mm -hmm. and I kept showing her new new work. And she would say, OK, that's that's lovely. And she was very supportive. But she's like, no, I'm not interested, not interested. And like I said, then I showed her the series of donuts and she said, let's do this. So it mm -hmm. took years. But, um, you know, and we did the wrong thing. We walked in there and was like. You know, my father-in-law, this is my artist daughter-in-law. And, this, you know, normally that's a big turnoff for uh, curators, yeah. gallerists. But, it, it, you know, over time it worked. It was nice to make that connection with her. So what's the right way? Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, that's the problem, right? So you try to submit online, and I think that doesn't seem to work mm. very well, right? Mm. That's a tough one. Um you know, I mean, I guess you could go in and ask them what their process is and introduce yourself um, and, and ask them when there is a time or a, a place that you could present your work. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just uh, collected the few galleries that I've got going now and going from there. It's nice when they come to you, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's the most ideal way, but as a starting out as an artist, that's, it's tough. I think the gallery can come to you if you are visible. Right. And I think for most artists, it's difficult to be visible because there are so many things. Yeah. There are so many artists. Right, right. I think, well, and I think it probably helps, like I said, to submit to shows. Maybe you get in a magazine or from, from a show or mm -hmm. something like that. And then, and then your visibility sort of builds. And of course, having an Instagram account or a website. Um, I think young artists need to work on their visibility, doing it constantly as opposed yeah. to a one-time thing. Yeah. And, um, I think also applying to residences, if you can do so. Like when I began painting, I didn't because I had a small child, so it wasn't like possible. 
Right. But uh, looking back, I think it's a very good opportunity to meet curators, and mm-hmm. um, if you if you get selected, and yeah. just just be yeah, in the community, and that's something that that's overlooked, mm-hmm. but it, it can be a very interesting opportunity. Of course, it depends on the residency, but. Right. Um, and the world is getting global and there is internet yeah yeah all right um uh, i appreciate your time it was it was a lot of fun yeah Uh, thank you so much um, wasn't nearly as scary as i thought veronica you made it but i do appreciate the time and willingness to Oh, of course. Thank you so much. That was fun. And I, I yeah. honored that you asked. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. Uh, all the links are in the show notes. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.